before, obviously. <clears throat> and I think uh, for me, uh, it's interesting when I, when I, um, I, I had a, a burnout breakdown in the year 2001 after 30 years of pastoring. And uh, in the recovery process, I, I slept for weeks. I couldn't uh, read books. I couldn't even read my Bible. I couldn't watch TV. Uh, just, I was so exhausted. And slowly, I began to recover. And over uh, a six-month period of time uh, under a doctor's care and with a professional counselor and a lot of prayers from people, uh, that recovery progressed. And I was so grateful for that. It was just such a, a gift. But um, May 1st, 2002, it was a Wednesday morning. I woke up that morning and I remember saying to myself, I'm ready to study the Bible. And that morning, I had no, I was so excited when I sat down at my kitchen table and pulled out a little laptop that I used to uh, study that I hadn't touched for six months. And I sat down at the table and I remember thinking, yes, I am ready to study the Bible, but the Bible is a huge book. And... Um, where do I start? I mean, do I, do I start in Isaiah? Do I, you know, uh, Jeremiah? Do I go to Matthew or Romans? I, it just was a, a big question as to where I should actually uh, begin this journey. But that morning uh, was a morning and a day that absolutely rocked my world. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to ask you a question uh, as we move into this. And and it's interesting because Jonathan's already said it, but if I were to ask you the question, what is Jesus' commandment? I want you just to think about that for a little bit, uh, what your answer would be. And um, what happened is this transformation radically impacted how I would answer that question. Because uh, I think for for some of us, I mean, it's, it's very clear, we would say his command is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Or from maybe Matthew 28, the first passage I looked at that day was Matthew 28, 18. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Some others might say, well, my answer to the question would have been uh, Jesus' commandment is everything he said. And others would actually say it's the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, I think uh, for me, I, if you had asked me that question before that morning, uh, I would have had a very clear and certain answer. Uh, I would have said, I know what Jesus' commandment is. It's to love God with all of my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and it's to love my neighbor as myself. And I would have been very certain about that answer. And what actually rocked me on that day was I discovered for the first time that I was wrong in my answer. Uh, I, that was not his commandment. He had actually made his commandment very clear and unmistakable when that final evening, um, as they were celebrating the Passover meal and the Last Supper, that last evening before he went to the cross, 
he turned to his disciples and have, having uh, shared the Passover meal, he has washed his disciples' feet. He has uh, told them that uh, I'm going to be leaving you and where I'm going, you're not going to be able to come with me. And then he said these words, a new command I give you, love one another just as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And then he went on in uh, the 15th chapter, that's John 13, 34, as Jonathan mentioned, and uh, 35. And then he went on a little bit later in the evening in John 15, 12, and he said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then he says it again in John 15, 17, this is my command, love each other. And it was just so shocking to my system because for many decades, I had taught something different than that to my congregation. And it was, um, it was a stunning moment. And I think uh, for me, honestly, when I first saw it that day, I thought, I am the only person who has missed Jesus' commandment. Everybody knows this but me. All my friends know it. And it was just so obvious. They, they just didn't think to tell me. Uh, what I was missing. And so I think um, that was my, my first uh, thought about it. And then as I began to do research, I began to discover that this commandment actually was lost very early in church history, probably some 1800 years ago. Actually, we see it beginning to be lost even in the book of Revelation when uh, the church at Ephesus was uh, warned saying, you have left the love you had at first. And these people had stopped loving each other and doing the, the acts of love and kindness that they had once done to one another. And, uh, and the Lord said, remember the heights from which you've fallen. And uh, tragically, the uh, church in Ephesus was not the only one that had lost that first love that they had. And um, I, I just wondered how could, not only I have missed it in 30 years of ministry and teaching, how could the church have missed it? Uh, and for these last 1800 years, it's been so marginalized for us. I have a, I have a pastor friend who travels uh, quite extensively. And I saw him about two and a half years ago in another city and as we're in conversation, he said, you know, he said, I just got to tell you something. He said, I've asked 117 pastors in my travels over the last few years. I've asked 117 of them, what is Jesus' commandment? He said, not one of them has said, love one another as Jesus has loved us. He said, it's actually gotten so embarrassing, I've stopped asking. I saw him about eight months ago, um, and we were having a conversation again in another city, and he said to me as I was, we were finishing the conversation, he said, oh, incidentally, he said, I asked one more pastor, and now it's 118 pastors. And I've got to tell you, friends, my heart breaks that we, as followers of Yeshua HaMashiach have missed 
what our Lord Jesus Christ said was my commandment so clearly. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you've loved one another. I, when I saw this, I went on a, a five-year search. I, as I traveled, speaking in different places around the country, I went to seminaries, wherever I was, libraries, began to do research, talk to professors. Uh, I was so stunned by the loss that was there. I remember a day when one of my friends who knew that I was doing this research uh, walked up to me and handed me an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And uh, he said, hey, I want you to read this. And I folded it in half and started to put it in my case. And uh, he said, no, 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 read it now. And so I opened it back up and realized that the top of it, it said the 49 commands of Christ. And I thought, oh my goodness. Uh, this is interesting. It's about uh, Jesus' commandment. Already, apparently, they've found 49 of them. And um, so I began to just uh, scan down the list as he was standing there watching with his arms folded. And I began to read down the list. And I went, you know, 18, 22, 32. And I began to just cry out and say, oh, God, no, 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 please. And when I read the final one, the 49th, 49th command, that uh, they had uh, listed there. My heart was broken because they had missed the one command Jesus said was my command. How could that happen? It, it's, uh, it, it, is, it has to be something that the enemy has done, the enemy of our Lord Jesus Christ has done to try and put a fog over this commandment that he so clearly gave us and said, it's your mark of authenticity. Guard it. Don't ever take your eyes off of it. Guard it. Um, the word tereo in the Greek, it would be the word uh, obey, but it's the word tereo. It's a particular kind of guard. It means to guard it by never letting it out of your sight. It's kind of like with you, you know, we're in a public uh, transportation airport or something. You don't just set your cell phone down uh, on a table and walk away. You don't let it out of your sight because you know that it could be missing when you turn around. And that's the word Jesus said, Tereo, guard it. Don't ever let it out of your sight. And uh, so I, it, it was stunning to me how I could have missed it uh, how we could have missed it, but how in 1,800 years, at least of our church history, we have largely marginalized that command. And uh, I've traveled overseas now, and it's so interesting that uh, I'm thinking of a time in the Philippines. I was meeting with a, some pastors to actually share about Jesus' commandment, and we were using a church facility in Manila. And I walked into that facility. Uh, I looked in the wall, and there were posted the 49 commands of Christ. Without the one command, Jesus said, is my command. I was in Uganda years later, and I was staying in a hospitality house uh, in that country. And as I walked in, there on the wall were posted the 49 commands of Christ. 
absent the one that Jesus said is your mark of authenticity. The one thing he said is my commandment, love one another as I have loved you. And what's so interesting is, um, is that, it, that Jesus, it was at a strategic time when he had announced that night the new covenant in his blood. And that same night, later in the night, he gives a new commandment. New covenant and new commandment were intended, I believe, to be inextricably linked for every follower of Yeshua. And that uh, we as Jesus people would know that this is that mark of authenticity uh, for us. You know, to, to understand uh, covenant making, our God is a covenant making God. And I'm thinking of uh, maybe 3,400 years ago, um, God was taking the children of Israel out of Egypt uh, toward the promised land. Moses was leading them. And they were camped in the wilderness early in their journey. And they were at the foot of Mount Sinai. And uh, you remember Moses, he went up in the mountain as God had told him to. And uh, the end result was that he brought down word of what would have been to them a new covenant at that time. And he brought down with it, he brought down not only the announcement of a new covenant, but he brought down 10 commandments written in stone. And the scripture tells us they were the words of the covenant. And the response when the people heard them read to them, their response was this, all that the Lord has said we will do. And um, we know that that was not as, um, it was easier, I guess we could say, uh, easier said than done. And uh, it, it was not uh, easy to keep those Ten Commandments. And um, I think that's why we see very clearly in Scripture, uh, some 800 years later, later Jeremiah the prophet, God is speaking through him and speaks very clearly in Jeremiah 31, 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is uh, incredible news, astonishing news. And uh, when you read the fine print that follows, it makes it even more astonishing. Because the next thing God says uh, to uh, us and to them through the prophet was this. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant. God is saying uh, this is going to be a very dramatic change. It's not good. It's the first thing he wanted them to know. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, Israel and the house of Judah. Uh, but it's not going to be like the one I made. And he goes on to say in the verses following in Jeremiah 31, 33 and following, this is the covenant I'm going to make with the house of Israel after that time. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. 
for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This is such an astonishing promise of a new covenant. And uh, it just, uh, each time I think about it, it is so amazing uh, that this to me should have been put in just bold headlines for everybody who was hearing it, for all of Israel to know that God is going to do something very sovereign of his own initiative. And as a matter of fact, it helps us understand what the change is because we see a contemporary, Ezekiel, who begins to speak the word of the Lord. And, and he begins to say in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24, uh, uh, words, words that are, are so amazing. And I want you to particularly notice the word, I will, I will. You know, when we look back at the Ten Commandments, uh, it's you shall, you shall, you shall, you shall. Um, it was up to us to keep those words of the covenant by our own commitment. It was, the commitment was on us. But when we begin to hear the words of Ezekiel, he says, God says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. I will cleanse you from your iniquities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You notice the shift from thou shalt to I will. And it's as if God is saying, I am going to take this into my hands and I am going to empower my people to do the things that I have asked them to do. Now, what's so interesting is it was 600 years that, uh, that, Je that Jesus, Yeshua, uh, broke the silence of 600 years of scripture that made no mention of new covenant after Jeremiah had spoken of it. It was Yeshua that broke the silence on Passover at the Last Supper. supper. And he said, um, as he broke the bread, um, as he broke the bread and then took the cup, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which I am making for you. And he gave us then a new commandment to go with it. Even as Moses brought down with that, what was then a new covenant from Mount Sinai, and it, it, it was the, the, literally those 10 commandments went into the Ark of the Covenant. So Jesus, as he announces a new covenant, gives us a new commandment with it and announces that, that he is going to be giving us a new heart and a new spirit. Now, the wonderful thing is uh, it became clear to us through the commission that Jesus gave us, what we call the Great Commission, to, to go to all nations and make disciples of people. Uh, we who are Gentiles have been invited in as guests into this amazing covenant that God promised to his people. And uh, we get the privilege of coming in and participating in this. And I think of the uh, letter that the apostle Paul says, and he says, 
um, in this second letter, he says, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. And uh, I think this is extremely significant for us that we have been brought into this amazing place of a new covenant. Does it matter whether we embrace Jesus' commandment or not? Uh, you know, some people might say, hey, look, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Uh, but I'm saying I think it is strategic for the body of Christ because, as you know, John 13, 14, 15, 16, um, it was Jesus' final discourse before he was crucified. Amazing truths were open to us in those three chapters. And then you know the prayer that is prayed in John chapter 17, that amazing prayer where he asked the Father to make those 12 disciples one to make the, the, um, those that would be his apostles, to make them one as he was one. And then he prayed for those that would believe as a result of the message that they may be one as we are one, that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What's so interesting in, to me in the what I call the shift between the previous covenant and the covenant that Jesus announced as the new covenant in his blood. What is so interesting is that in the covenant that was made at Sinai, the primary focus was on our finite ability to, um, to love God and to keep his commandments. In the new covenant, it's based on God's infinite ability to love us and to empower us by his word and his spirit to actually live out the reality of what he has done. It's something that comes by grace. It's a grace commandment, and he is empowering us, and that's why it's so significant when he says, as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. It was us learning to receive that love. When, when we think of um, many times, I know for me, uh, for so many decades, I had taught that Jesus' commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Um, that was the first and greatest commandment. And the second was like it, love your neighbors yourself. And when you think about that, um, it really puts us in the center because it says, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It puts us in the center and makes us the focus. The new covenant puts God in the center of this whole picture. And I think that's why in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, we see... Um, we see the words that are uh, written there. Uh, this is love, 1 John 4.10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since he so loved us, it says in verse 11, we ought to love one another. And this is, uh, this is why I believe in this visitation that is coming in this season, I believe, that is ahead of us and that we're, we're entering into, I believe this is why it is so strategic that we clearly settle Jesus' commandment now. 
um, and that we know what it is and that we are characterized uh, as his disciples by this amazing ability that is given by grace to receive his love and then to allow that love to flow out of us like a river. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, Paul says this, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. And we are, as you know, just in those 50 days between Passover and Pentecost. And uh, this is an amazing time for us to be welcoming a fresh infusion of the Holy Spirit that really is the love of heaven. And in that river of his love, I believe every gift is carried. And I believe the key to unity is carried in our willingness to obey his commands. Um, I think um, one, one of the largest questions, and I'm, I'm not going to go in depth in this, but when I first saw this, uh, I have to tell you, it, it began a huge wrestling match in me. I went, wait a minute. How could Jesus just give us that one commandment? And, uh, and this is the only, it's the only one he gives in universal language uh, that he, he uses that word commandment, uh, entele or entelemy in the Greek language. And I really had a huge wrestling match with it. It was, it was uh, uh, because I, I just thought, why, why couldn't Jesus have said that night, I'm giving you this, this is my command. I want you to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another as I've loved you. I could have accepted that, but I really struggled with the fact that Jesus did not say that first part, because I had taught it for so many years to my congregation. And what, what I think uh, finally uh, resolved the issue, it was a seven-month battle for me, and uh, a, just a growing, growing turmoil in my heart. And the Lord really, through a personal visitation, uh, through an amazing visitation, uh, resolved that issue seven months in for me. But, but I, I had to take a look again at the one time that Jesus had quoted, uh, uh, th had said those words, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart in Matthew chapter 22. And when I looked at it a little more carefully, and I encourage you to look at it with me um, in your, your processing and your study, because you'll remember that the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to uh, trick Yeshua uh, and get him to stumble on some of his words or say something that they could accuse him uh, falsely of. And they asked the question, uh, the Pharisees asked a question about um, is it, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus uh, reached in his pocket and felt for some money and then asked, does anybody have a coin? And someone handed him a coin and he held it up and looked at it and said, whose picture is that? And they said, it's Caesar's. And he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. And they clearly knew. And it silenced them on that first question. And you know, the second question was asked by the Sadducees, and that was a question that related because they didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. Uh, they asked a question about the gal who uh, married a guy and her husband passed away and her brother then married her to raise up seed uh, in honor of his brother and this second brother died and third, fourth, fifth, 
until seven brothers had married her and um, they were all dead. And of course their question, uh, the trick question for them was, so whose um, wife will she be? Who will the husband be in the resurrection that you proclaim? And Jesus again answered the question and, uh, and silenced them. But then the Pharisees picked it up one more time and they, it was a, an expert in the law of Moses who said to Jesus, I have a question for you. What is the greatest commandment in the law? I, I think um, for me, it was absolutely critical because I never would say the words in the law. This expert in the law was asking a question about the law that Jesus was born under and lived his whole life under. Um, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered the question out of uh, Deuteronomy chapter six in the, what we know as the Shema. Um, you shall love the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it from Leviticus 19, 18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And I, it was finally when I began to understand that when Jesus said that, he was addressing a question about the law. And as I did further study, I realized that Jesus never repeated that two-fold commandment again. And as a matter of fact, he didn't turn to his disciples that day and say, incidentally, this is my commandment. I want you to make this my command to all my disciples. He didn't say that. And none of the writers of the New Testament letters uh, use that dual commandment either. And I, that was a huge uh, turning point for me when I had to realize I had, I had actually, in my own thinking, had pushed Jesus' commandment without recognizing it off the table because I had given him a command that he hadn't taken for himself. And uh, as a result, I didn't have room for the one command, even in my thinking, the one command that he said is mine. I, I am passionately gripped. We have had major revivals in church history. Um, we know that uh, the Azusa Street Revival, the Welch Revival uh, in the uh, early 1900s, we, uh, I personally was powerfully awakened in the Jesus movement uh, 54 years ago. Uh, I, we know these revivals, uh, but I can remember uh, a day when I was with one of the leaders of the Jesus movement, and this was not long ago. It was only about a year ago. He was a man whose name I had heard for many decades because he was prominent and a great leader in the Jesus movement. But he looked at me and he said, I can tell you the day that the Jesus movement stopped. And he told me one of those heartbreaking stories of a time when a major leader in the body of Christ literally ignored the command that Jesus gave us to love one another and attempted to seize leadership of a whole movement. We can look back at the Azusa Street Revival. It went well for 18 months. 
thank God for that. That message spread around the world. But then there was a tragic moment, and that moment actually um, changed William Seymour. It was an un, it was one of those acts that broke the command of Christ to love one another, and it left a deep wound and a scar in William Seymour that really changed uh, him going forward. And I believe uh, was part of what brought a halt to that. I don't want to see this next move of God stop because we don't embrace and make core the command that Jesus gave us to love one another. He made it so clear. He announced a new covenant in his blood and he gave us a new commandment to go with it. He said, it's my commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. How did Jesus love us? He tells us how he did that. He said, as the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. And then he says to us, now as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. When the Father spoke those words to him, when he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan, when the Father spoke and said, this is my son whom I love. The Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove. And I believe that's the same thing that the Holy Spirit does for us as we begin to uh, welcome the Holy Spirit and are filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And then as Paul would say in Ephesians 5, be being filled with the Spirit. Uh, this We're coming to Pentecost. The end of 10 days will be Pentecost. My prayer is that we will, there will be a powerful infusion of the Spirit, but we will recognize that the primary characteristic of the Holy Spirit as he fills and begins to flow out of us like a river, the primary characteristic of the Spirit is the love of heaven put into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I love all the gifts that come in that river. I love them. I believe every one of them are significant. I pray for more and more of them to be manifest. But they have to be done in love. Paul warns us of that in 1 Corinthians 13. He makes it very clear that we can do amazing things, amazing acts, uh, but if they're not done in love, they miss the point and they don't profit us. Uh, Jesus himself makes it clear in his uh, first uh, major discourse, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, when he says, uh, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I did miracles. I cast out devils. And he'll say, I'm sorry, you missed the point. You lived in lawlessness. Uh, the Greek word is enamos, which means the absence of the law. And because it is the Lord Jesus, um, it was the law of Christ that they violated. The Apostle Paul tells us clearly what the law of Christ is. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Bear each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And I would encourage us to uh, really uh, make that a reality in these days. And as we're praying and interceding now, I just urge us to pray and say, God, do this sovereign miracle in your church around the world and restore quickly your new commandment 
with your new covenant. And let us be a people that demonstrate what heaven is about and this incredible love that Jesus uh, had experienced before he ever came here and humbled himself. So thank you, friends, for being a part of it. And I would urge us in these 10 days, as I'm going to be praying, to be praying about this. Thank you, Jonathan.